When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Quick mic check. This is me, Rich Price, speaking. And this is me, Clint Bierman, on the microphone. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. And on this podcast, we explore questions that people have been debating for ages. Questions about music. And life. We're songwriters, musicians, music fans. And in the 25 years we've been friends, we've been practitioners of the unanswerable. But today, we'll delve into a new question, and we'll talk to some smart people. And we'll come up with the answer. Okay, Clint. What's today's question? Today's question is... Who went solo the best? That's the age-old question. hard to be in a band i mean it's awesome and exciting and if you're lucky to ever be in one it can be one of the most incredible and satisfying experiences of your life but it's also really hard it's just hard to keep something together in 2020 clint the percentage of marriages that end in divorce guess no idea 39 percent. the point is keeping anything together is really hard So maybe it's not surprising that the list of great bands that splinter and break up is longer than the one of those that stay together. And when bands do break up and artists go solo and start a new band, do the fans follow? Can you surpass the success you found with the band you're leaving? So Clint, who went solo the best? Well, I tell you what, I'm not going to start with who I think went the best. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a nomination for who may have gone the best. My first nomination is Sting from The Police. I mean, come on. The Police sold 75 million records. That's a that's a decent that's that's a hefty hefty low. I mean, that's pretty amazing. They were formed in 1977 in part of the new wave scene. They recorded five studio albums. At one point in 1984, after Synchronicity was released, they were the biggest band in the world. Yes. I mean, monsters, like monsters. so many number one hits, huge on MTV. What's your highlight of their catalog? Synchronicity. I think having played the entire album start to finish. And then, honestly, I hate to say it, but the singles, the police, the singles, yes. that that is absolutely start to finish just 
there's not a bad one. There's not a minute of filler in the entire record. Yep, I agree. Uh, Walking on the Moon may be one of my faves. What about you? That Greatest Hits came out yeah. when I was starting to buy music. Yep. I can see the cover of Me it. Me too. Yeah. I also had a cassette of Ghosts in the Machine. Yeah. thing is i don't remember what was on what because of that singles <laughs> i know we're the era of of greatest, greatest hits. hits yeah same with bob marley's legend completely steve miller band yes yeah no idea. <laughs> and james taylor yeah oh that, yeah billy that? joel too i mean yes <laughs> greatest hits that kind of says something about us too yes like we don't want the filler i want yeah, the hits just give us the hits <laughs> uh so when i was looking at who went solo the best i was judging it on whose career was bigger, right? Like, and by my own personal tastes, right? right? If it's not subjective, what is it? This is the age old question is our answer to it. So Sting went on to sell more albums than the police. So Sting sold 79 million albums. That's solo 17 Grammy awards. He's done 15 studio albums after going solo and the police only did five. So his output is exponentially more. What's your highlight of the Sting solo catalog? Greatest hits? No. <laughs> uh, I like Brand New Day. That album. Yep, that album. Yep. I don't know why. Brand New Day, that song. Yep. Stevie Wonder plays the harmonica solo. Yeah. The way Stevie plays the harmonica is different from anyone else. Yeah, you can tell it's Stevie Wonder. For an instrument like the harmonica. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I I broke your flow. So here's an interesting stat that I found out today. In 2019, Sting received a BMI award for Every Breath You Take, becoming the most played song in radio history. That's incredible. That's incredible, right? So Sting wrote that song, right? But Andy Summers, the guitarist in Police, he came up with that guitar line. Right. And that song isn't that song without that guitar. No, not at all. And yet, I don't think Andy Summers made... When Puff Daddy did it. Right, Puff Daddy... and he only used the guitar part. <laughs> Andy Summers. And and there is why the police broke up. Right. That pretty much sums it up. Right. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block the dough. Notorious, they got to know that. Life ain't always what it seemed to be. Words can't express what you mean to me. Even though you're gone, we still a team. Through your family, I'll... By the last album, by synchronicity, they were no longer recording together. So they would be in separate rooms. Wow. They would not, no overdubs together. They would go in separate days. Couldn't stand to be around each other. At Sting's wedding, first time after years and years of not playing together, Stuart Copeland and Andy Summers were both there. 
And if the crowd just made them get together and play, they're like, just play. So I think they played Roxanne and walking on the moon and maybe one other. And Stuart Colton said within the first three minutes of playing, he's like, oh, there's that thing again. Within four bars, I was scowling at Stuart, you know, speeding up a little bit. And his guitar was out of tune. I was scowling at him and he, he'd forgotten the riff a little bit. And we were back. <laughs> right back to all those places all those little pressure points were right there but at least at the in our state uh that we were in at that time we were able to laugh over it well sting may have an ego right like you can kind of understand yeah i mean he's kind of a golden god he is a golden <laughs> god <laughs> i agree with you Police were nominated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003, but I don't believe Sting is in the Rock and Sting's Roll Hall of Fame. Sting's not in as a solo artist yet. Right, not yet. He's in... Inevitable. Inevitable, right? Come on. Who do you got, Rich? Let's talk about a band called Genesis. Genesis is an unusual example in that it, two of its lead singers went on to find enormous success after leaving the band. Formed in 1967 by keyboardist Tony Banks guitarist Mike Rutherford, a guitarist named Anthony Phillips, and singer Peter Gabriel, who was the band's leader and creative force. By 1971, Anthony Phillips was out of the band, and they recruited a young lad to play drums, a fellow named Phil Collins. Who, interesting note, was the last one to try out. Many tryouts. Phil Collins, the last one who came in, got the gig. That's good. It's yeah. good that they waited. Yeah. Uh, hold the, out, baby. Hold, hold out, out. Hold out. The last one might be the best. So they were a prog rock band, considered progressive rock. What, how would you describe prog rock? I would describe it as rock and roll that isn't straightforward, so it's different time signatures. It is using sounds that aren't probably found in normal radio music. It's got long sections of through-composed instrumental section where it's all worked out. It's not jamming. It's like actual right. sections. Complex. Super complex. Yeah. Right. In my mind, prog rock is like scary to play. You're right. Like, okay. right. They had their first success with the concept album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. That was 1974. And the lamb lies down. Next year, Peter Gabriel leaves the band, and his first single as a solo artist is Salisbury Hill. Unbelievable. Good start. One of my favorite songs of all time. Me too. Climbing up on Salisbury Hill, I could see the city light. Wind was blowing, time stood still. We've already talked on episode seven about his song, Biko, one of my nominees for having the, the best opening lines. A few years after Biko, he found his biggest hit. What song? Sledgehammer? Sledgehammer. You could have a steam train If you don't slay Oh, 
record nine MTV awards in 1987. Remember that video? Incredible. Absolutely. Like stop motion. Yeah, curtain. changed the game. In the same way that The Matrix changed the game. It was like, oh my God, have you seen it? Yeah. Totally. In the album So. Clint, what song did Sledgehammer displace to reach the number one spot on the Billboard charts? song by his former band Genesis Invisible Touch interesting another great song from the album so In Your Eyes oh so good so good immortalized of course by John Cusack in Say Anything Say Anything film from Gabriel was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of Genesis in 2010 and then again as a solo artist in 2014. But amazing as his solo career has been since he left Genesis, he's not the most successful former lead singer of that band. <laughs> that would go, of course, to Phil Collins. He took over for Peter Gabriel as the front man in 1975, and that's when Genesis really started to find mainstream success. Their first big hit was the 1978 single, Follow You, Follow Me. And though he continued to record and tour with Genesis, Phil Collins launched a solo career in 1982 and became one of the most successful and recognizable rock stars ever. He had more top 40 singles than any other artist during the 1980s. That is incredible. I mean, there were some big stars in the 1980s. Yeah, the biggest. The biggest, actually. Yeah, I mean, that is un- unbelievable. His most successful singles include In the Air Tonight. The greatest ever. With that oh, Tom Phil that we were talking yeah. about. Sue Studio. Don't you lose my number? Yes. those hits were from the album No Jacket Required, which was a monster hit. And amazingly, he continued to make music with Tony Banks and Mike Rutherford and put out a Genesis album the year after No Jacket Required. And that album, called Invisible Touch, was the band's biggest selling record. So a space of 12 months, he was the biggest thing in the, the world. The biggest thing in the world. Yeah. That album had title track Invisible Touch. Land of Confusion. This is the world 
Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. Oh, a great song. And this one, In Too Deep. Clint, worth noting that another former member of Genesis also had some success. Remember Mike and the Mechanics? Oh, I loved that song so much. Song. That was a hit in 1988. Okay. Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel. Phil Collins, man, he's got to be high up for the runner of who went solo the best. Agreed. All right. Good one. Good one. Yeah, Good that's one. a twofer. That's a twofer, Rich. That's a twofer. All right. My next choice for who went solo the best. Yep. Ozzy Osbourne. And here's why. Okay. Okay. So Ozzy was obviously the front man for a small band called Black Sabbath. Okay. This is good because. I don't know much about Black Sabbath. They're definitely in my in my blind spot. So educate me. I will do so. They're an English rock band. And they formed in 1968. And Tony Iommi formed the band with drummer Bill Ward, bassist Geezer Butler, and vocalist Ozzy Osbourne. Now, they kicked Ozzy out and continue to make records. But Tony is the only member that's been on every record. Interesting. So he is like the... He is Black Sabbath. And another interesting note about Tony Iommi, he, he's missing... The end of his first finger on his fretting hand. So he has this like prosthetic nub that he puts on. And that's just, you're touching the string with that finger. It's so, it's got to be so awkward. And it doesn't sound like a slide guitar. No, but I bet he could. Like he's got, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. And I think he had it from the beginning. I don't think it was like he played like the right. drummer of Def Leppard who right, lost right, his arm right. halfway. It was right. like he started with a nub. So their debut album was called Black Sabbath, and that was released in. 1970 later the same year they released the album paranoid and that had paranoid they released nine albums with ozzy eight at the time and then they went back in 2013 and recorded a new Sabbath album with Rick Rubin producing. Huh. Um, so that was their ninth. I don't know if this is going to take you by surprise, but Ozzy was crazy. <laughs> Ozzy, <laughs> Ozzy liked to uh, have cocktails. He liked his uh, his substances. And so by 1979, Tony Iommi had enough. He was like, he's a buffoon. Kick Time him out of to the kick band. him out of the band. Seriously, I mean, he would... <laughs> they, they sound like the Beatles. <laughs> so they kicked him out in 1979. And... Ozzy kind of went on a bender. They gave him, I think, some amount of money. As a buyout. As a buyout. And he just went on a Coke binge. Amazing. <laughs> and just like three months of... And then, here's what happened. This dude, who was managing Black Sabbath at the time, Don Arden, signed him to Jet Records uh, with the aim of like recording him as a solo artist. Arden sent his daughter, Sharon to Los Angeles to look after Ozzy, you know, make him, make him right. be okay. Right. And we all know who Sharon is. So Sharon amazing cleaned him up, straightened him out. Yeah. I don't think it was right away though. So the blizzard of Oz is Ozzy's first record. Right. And 
People love Ozzy. I mean, if you liked Black Sabbath, you like Ozzy a lot. There's something about his voice that is so signature. It's the way it's recorded, and it's also just his phrasing and his is is right. There's something about Ozzy that's so. The tune of his that I know best is mm-hmm. Crazy Trains. Yeah, that's a solo one. That's a solo. That's a great song. Yeah, I mean, he's got... So he's released 12 studio albums, so seven multi-platinum records in a row as a solo artist. Incredible. That's a good run. I don't even know if Sting did that. And he sort of transcended music. Big time. My kids know who Ozzy Osbourne is. Totally. My my wife knows who Ozzy Osbourne is. From the TV. Yes. By the way, that sounded like that's crazy that my wife wouldn't tell who Ozzy Osbourne But you know what I mean. Like, I know what you mean. She's not, that's not her genre. Her, her of, wheelhouse. <laughs> yes. Um, but also Ozzy started OzFest, right. which is a metal festival. So he became sort of the godfather of that genre. He is. He's the, well, he's the Prince of Darkness is how he's known. Right. That's like his thing. So he, forever he was, they thought he was satanic. Right. But he's not. But, right. The, the, these stories of him... Eating the heads off right, of bats, right? Or killing chickens on stage, and right. t- what's the one about the, the people spitting in a bucket and him <laughs> drinking? Them. That's, like, that's such a wives' tale of our right. childhood. That can't that can't be true, but but those stories oh, just became like what a legend snorting a line of ants. That's real. <laughs> uh, so Ozzy's greatest solo moments were with guitar player Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes used to play with Quiet Riot, and when they got together, Randy was like this young kid and inspired Ozzy. And I read today of how Randy Rhodes died. Are you ready for this? Do you know? No. They were on tour in Florida a week before they're going to play Madison Square Garden. Tour's going great. The tour bus driver takes him out in a plane, like the merch girl or Randy Rhodes and the pilot, which was the tour bus driver. And he tried to buzz the tour bus, like get really low. And he clipped the wing on the top of the tour bus, which made him hit a tree. And then they crashed into a garage and, and everyone died. Oh, my! I think that was that's tough on Ozzy. That's yeah, a Because Randy was really like the inspiration, I feel like, to him to really send it to the next level. You know, he's so slow and shaky. Or I, is that just think, years of drug abuse? I think that's snorting ants. I think <laughs> I think that's more of the... It's hard to understand what he's saying. Sharon! Sharon! Get my trousers! <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so sold 51.5 million albums as a solo artist. But beyond that, he's transcended music into, like we were saying, he's been, in, you know, he's been a, a businessman. Right. He's been a TV icon. Right. So he, he's another one of my votes. That's a good one. All right, here's another one. Yeah. Dr. Dre. So, of course, burst on the scene as part of N.W.A. with their debut album, Straight Outta Compton. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. If they didn't create gangster rap, they certainly defined it. Yeah. The band was Easy e MC Ren, Ice Cube. Dre. Oh my god. And each of them had solo careers and solo success, but only one of them <laughs> became a mogul. Yeah. 
and that was Dr. Dre. His debut solo album is one of my favorite hip-hop records. Yeah. Released in 1992. The album also launched the career of... One, two... Bringing to the folks, Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a... He launched the career of Eminem. Which is monstrous. 50 Cent. Monstrous. And he went on to create Beats by Dre with Jimmy Iovine. His billion dollar company. Billions. Drake creep to the mic like a fan. Well, I'm peeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping. But I damn near got caught because my beeper kept beeping. Now it's time for me to make my impression felt. So sit back, relax, and strap on your seat. Don't you never been on a ride like this before? In terms of who went solo the best, mm. there's an argument to be made that Dr. Dre Man. went solo the best. Yes. Some like honorable mentions? Yes. Okay. Okay. First one, there's an asterisk by this one, but Dave Grohl. Okay. Dave Grohl was arguably the least known person in Nirvana. In the biggest band in the world. In the biggest band in the world. He was almost anonymous in that band. Uh And then he went on to become the face of rock for the last 20 years. Yeah. He's not technically a solo artist. He's part of Foo Fighters. No, but that's all him. It's Dave Grohl. Yes, because he recorded the first two albums entirely by himself. Right. So it's him. It's him. It's him. How do you feel about... George Michael. So George Michael was part of Wham! And Wham! was... They were a joke. But they had a couple hits, you know? Every year we hear... Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Right. I mean, that's a non-stop Christmas classic. Wake me up before you go-go. Wake me up before you go-go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. From saxophone episode. Careless Whisper. Careless Whisper. I mean, they had some hits, and so that was a duo with Andrew Ridgely. Childhood friend. Childhood friend. But then George splits off, realizes that he's got he's to get rid of that dead weight. Yeah, and Andrew Ridgely's he's, doing nothing. He's doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, except wearing fluorescent green and dancing poorly. Right. So George goes solo. Massive success. Oh, well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. Sold 80 million records. 80 million. 80 million records. I mean, had massive hits. Faith. Uh, was that his debut, Faith? Because that was a great record. That was an incredible record. And it also, like, boy, did he become a cultural phenomenon, right? Oh. Just his butt. His butt was everywhere. Right. Right? Like, yes. That was the thing. It was yes. Like the album cover or something. And then a big album that I loved of his was Listen Without Prejudice. Had Freedom 90. Which, Love that song. Oh, my Lord. That Love song that song. Is good. I'm not saying he went solo the best, but boy, did he have a massive career after and a you, career that was bigger than his previous band. And do you remember his duet with Elton John, Don't oh. Let the Sun Go Down? Yeah, incredible. 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 Don't let the sun go down on me. Although I search myself, it's always someone else I see. 
We talked about the Fugees on episode nine, talking about their iconic cover of Killing Me Softly. I don't know that you can say that Lauren Hill went solo the best, but the miseducation of Lauren Hill, that came out in August of 1998. It's one of my favorite records. Let's call somebody. Okay, who you want to call? So there's a guy that you and I know really well. He's one of my closest friends in the world. He had massive influence on me personally. He was in a band that, that you and I got to know in college. The band was Dispatch. And they became one of the most successful independent bands, maybe the most successful independent yep. band ever. They sold out Madison Square Garden three times. First independent band to ever do that. When they broke up for the first time in 2004, they had their farewell show in Boston. They thought maybe 20, 30,000 people would show up. 110,000 people showed up. There was a decorated general with a heart of gold that likened him to all the stories he told of past battles won and lost and legends of old. A seasoned veteran in his own time. On the battlefield, he gained respectful fame with many medals of bravery and stripes to his name. He grew a beard as soon as he could to cover the scars on his face and always urged his men on. Pete put out his first solo record in 2001. It's called So They Say. He's since put out eight or nine more solo records, each really compelling and very different in a lot of ways from the music that he made with Dispatch. Shadows and bones want to be at home. And then he finally left the band a few years ago. Yeah. But I want to talk to Pete because he can speak to why it is so hard to stay together. And conversely, what the creative process is like once you're free of that compromise. Let's call Pete. Let's do it. Good evening. Peter. Richard. You're on with me and Clint. Clint. Hello, Pete. Hey, buddy. So, Pete, this week... The question is, who went solo the best? I'm interested to talk to you for a couple of reasons. You were in Dispatch that was just this right. phenomenon. It was this lightning in a bottle that you guys captured. Yeah, yeah. So talk about, talk about what it was like to ride that wave. Well, the power of a band, I think, you know, are the members. The word harmony comes to mind because when there's harmony between these members, people who come to the show they feel like whoa there's something happening here that's kind of symmetrical i've been i've been listening to the beatles channel a lot on sirius and you know ringo often we don't talk about as much particularly because he's not one of the main songwriters but his drumming is so unique and so musical that without him i don't really think you have the same beatles yep um and I would say a little bit with with Brad, I, I don't know if that many people know that when, when Brad was at Middlebury, he really didn't know how to play drums. In fact, one of my earliest memories was going to the, the art center and there was a drum kit. We couldn't find sticks, so we broke the hangers to have the dowels 
um, as our sticks. And, and that's when he started playing. Old Man River said you can go your own way if you just leave him alone. It doesn't matter. Do not deliver. That's just an example of, of somebody who's got that will to bring in the music. And I think that will is something that really applies to the band members. You know, that's one thing the three of us can talk about, that chemical reaction yep. that uh, that almost happens when you put this with this, something explodes. I had the privilege of, of having sort of a front row seat to that explosion, that, that chemical reaction that you guys had. And, and it took you all the way to Madison Square Garden. And I don't really think we knew what was in store at all. We we did kind of know early on, we thought, wow, when we sing together, some people come to the dorm lounges. And then I thought, wow, some people are in the windows in the dorm lounge and sometimes are outside the window of the dorm lounge. So there was this kind of special thing, which I do feel like was initially rooted in our voices coming together. When we hear voices, when we hear harmony, I think it's so soothing to us as human beings because that harmony probably goes back thousands of years of of people singing together right right and when those harmonies lock in i reach into my pocket for some small change i reach into my pocket something just happens and so i think early on that was one of the parts where the Velcro was kind of formed and, and we just sort of stuck together with people and they, I think, really responded to that. And to be honest, I always loved that aspect of life, of being on a team and succeeding together. I really thought, my God, like, that is so cool because we're all rejoicing in this thing that's kind of bigger than just ourselves, you know? Pete, I know you've talked about the power of three as being different than a four-piece or a five-piece. Yeah. I mean, it made it tricky, right? But it also, that triangle is that, you know, the most stable geometric shape, you know? The three is fascinating to me because it can be volatile and it can be in perfect harmony. What we used to say is that to make decisions, we had this thing called 2v1. And if it were two guys that wanted it and the other didn't, it just simply went to the two. But I got to tell you, in certain decisions, that can be painful. Right. You know, that can that can be hard to accept. And I think the more we work together, the more we realize how, how hard that really is. Right. Let's talk about Peter Gabriel with Genesis. Let's talk about staying with the police. What's interesting is I think I got more into the solo careers of Peter Gabriel and Sting than I did with their bands. I mean, I always heard every breath you take on the radio, but when I got into Nothing Like the Sun, and Peter Gabriel, so, or us, I really was blown away by their individual talent. 
Clint made the same point that that you feel more connected, Clint, to yeah. Sting's solo catalog. I do. Sting's record, Dream of Blue Turtles, which was his yeah. his solo debut, that was the first record I ever bought. <laughs> yeah, I do, I remember too going in and getting Ten Sumner Tales at the local CD store. Forget the sun in his jealous sky as we walk in fields of gold. It's interesting what you said about the Beatles because there was a magic, there was a chemistry that was created by the four of them that made them greater than the sum of the parts, maybe. Whereas a band like the police, I mean, as great as Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland are or were, he may have been just as successful with two other guys. But Stuart Copeland is an extraordinary drummer, in my opinion. I think that what he brought to the drums was, I thought, very unique because he'd be taking some reggae stuff, the complexity of his beats. And then if you look at the band and they're all kind of cool-looking, blonde-haired guys, there's a secret sauce to a great band. And it's, and it's one of the great mysteries in life, I think, because right. you just say to yourself, okay, if I put these amazing musicians together, they should be a great band, right? But it doesn't always work out that way. Right. And I guess there's that word I love, alchemy, right? Isn't there like kind of like an, an alchemy? That yeah. Happens? You said it perfectly earlier, chemical reaction. I think that's what it is. It's this this chemical reaction that and it's not only a chemical reaction on stage or in the studio you look at the people in the audience and they are altered they are on some blissful drug or something because when that kind of music hits transformation happens and i think that as artists or band members we we're kind of in search of that even in your solo career pete you have been focused on collaboration so whether it's collaboration with jack gothier someone like a paul tillotson who is this incredible piano player that became a great friend of yours and a musical influence on you i think craig dreyer marty blue or marty richards like you've surrounded yourself with great musicians that you've wanted to collaborate with great musicians um working with them is really one of the joys of my life of a great musician 
then you're speaking in a language and it's not words. We're not using words and words are how we typically communicate every day with people. So we're communicating with sound and I think that's a pretty deep thing. And I feel that sound is really connected to the spirit of life and that the spirit of, to me is the mystery of life and, and all of that together just really is exciting to me. And these are just, you know, I, I just love it. Slips don't move, but still it speaks. His dark green eyes stare at me. He tell me of his papa working on the railway, blowing his harmonica. And, you know, my solo career has not been had a, as quite a following um, as Dispatch at all, really. But I got to tell you, like, at the same time, I've just been, I've loved the journey of it. I've loved, and it's not necessarily saying the control. I had control. Like, I still, I just loved that, um, the idea of, of, of sort of like sharpening your skills as an artist. And even to this day, in a few weeks, I'm going to release two new EPs. And I love that. So that part of it is great. So I think there's a bit of a dilemma with me sometimes if you can have the big crowds in the audience, but there's a lot of tension in the band, which there was with Dispatch. There was really a lot, a lot of tension that would, we had to deal with and was quite hard. What's interesting about Dispatch is that you guys, such close friends in a lot of ways and brothers really, but also very different people. Yeah, very different people. I introduced them. I was playing kind of some of my acoustic songs with Brad. And then Chad had some song. I mean, when he sang me Flying Horses, and he told me he wrote it when he was 14 or 13. I couldn't really believe that, to be honest, because I thought, geez, that is a great song, like a great song. never forget when he, he showed me the handwritten lyrics for the general and i think me like maybe so many other people in the world that have heard that song just immediately thought it was a great song and the general also proved not just to be a great song but in a song for a songwriter to, to say go now you are forgiven i think it's such a deep line because in a way in life i i think that's a part of what we all want is to forgive ourselves and then to forgive others go now you are forgiven go now you are forgiven go now you are forgiven go and in the end i want all of this to be remembered as as you mentioned friends and working it out but I think it, it's important for people listening to this podcast that there were and have been 
really hard times. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you guys have talked about that, but think of the scene that Stuart Copeland, I think, put a picture of Sting on his snare drum so he could whack it. You know, like, what is it about bands that can get to a toxic level? Just staying together. You know, whether it's a band or a marriage, you know, in 2020, the divorce rate was 39%. Just the act of keeping it together is really hard. Dispatch, you each wrote songs. Right, that's unusual. That gets complicated. What songs played, and that's like, that becomes contentious. And I think in a lot of these solo cases, it's because my songs aren't being recognized by the band. Like Sting, he was the primary songwriter. Simon yeah. Garfunkel, Paul Simon was the primary songwriter. Peter Gabriel, when he was in Genesis, he was the primary creative force. Then it became Phil Collins as the primary force in that band. So Clint makes a really good point. For Dispatch, part of that tension was that you guys each, Brad to a lesser degree, but you and Chad were each creative forces. And, and there was this inevitable and inherent tension in that. There really was. And... I think I offered some songs. I mean, if you look at my style, it was maybe pretty poetic, how I would use lyrics and maybe some abstractions that I sort of communicated. I want to float high above waves of electric wires and stare down onto the street. I see you drunk with cute glazed eyes. Telling me about the girl I should meet someday. I will carry you. I will. Chad often told some really wonderful stories and uh, sometimes maybe inhabiting being another character. And Brad also had some beauties, but I think he felt that maybe he wanted more. To this day, I've never met anyone that understands harmony so uh, innately. There's a mystery to when he sings harmonies because it's just beautiful, you know? We even talk about it, Clint and I. We actually call it the Brad harmony, like when you're singing the under harmony. I'm interested, we talked about the So They Say is your debut solo record, and, you know, it, it, the musicianship is beautiful, the simplicity of it is beautiful, Jack got such a great sound out of it, and I think of that as, as poetry put to music. Dog's nails tap the kitchen floor Eddies of laughter swirl through I'm riding in the dark and cannot see the letters. I'm riding in the dark and cannot see the letters. If I may, then I might, if only you were here. And then, you know, one of your recent songs, Nosedive, it's such a 
a different song from from the music that of so they say but it but it's still you're still playing with words and poetry i'm on the key train it's not a rude thing i'm like dude hang listen to some blue tang bubble gum checkerboard i'll go bury love you lord egg tail paradise anywhere you roll the dice see you at the ring ring you don't have to blame blame margarita's pizza feels like a pizza couple of chords in my honda accord never get bored up the dragon crest lord are you lucky to know me Well, you're lucky to know me. Well, the booties are bouncing. Well, you're lucky to know me. I think it's because I have such a broad taste for for music. I mean, I can think about Tribe Called Quest, or I can think about Cat Stevens. I can think about Parliament and Funkadelic. Well, it's so fun for us to talk to you. Clint and I are both such big fans of your music, and it's fun to talk about it. Great to talk to you. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Let's get the three of us to do some Vermont jams, right? Let's do it. Clint used to show me some sick Dave Matthews licks. And oh, man. You're just a rad guitar player, bro. So, Thanks, All right, brother. Great to talk to you. All right, dudes. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Pete. That was great. That was great. So good to talk to that guy. Oh, man. It's been a while for me. I think your mic wasn't working during that conversation. We've got to fix that. Okay. All right. I may lay into my big one. All right, do it. All right. I, I'm choosing, yep. as the person who went solo the best, Michael Jackson. And I do it reluctantly because what has happened to his career obviously is, I mean, what he did was obviously awful. Right. But when I was in fifth grade, Fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. He was, was everything. He was everything. He's the reason I play music now. He's he was the reason I wanted to get on stage. He was everything. And obviously he was with the Jackson Five. Jackson Five. And the Jackson Five were enormous. They sold a hundred million albums. As, That's incredible. As a group of five brothers from Gary, Indiana. And of course, you're an Indiana boy. I'm an Indiana boy. I got a, I got a place in my art for those guys. Remind me your connection to Gary, Indiana. Well, Gary, Indiana is the place you would go to get a fake ID. <laughs> because they had it, they had it down. What was your name? Was it, was it McLovin? <laughs> no, it was. They had a board, a giant board made. Yeah. And you stood. It was the size of the card. If your head, your real head was. So it was a giant card, and they just took your picture. Oh my god! And so, <laughs> so I think a lot of you have the same name because they did it. Oh, and so you just stood in front of this thing, and they took your picture with like the the, blue. the whole frame. Yeah. Oh whole my frame. god! A giant thing. Genius. That is genius. That's genius. There was no like hologram right. or anything yeah. at that point. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Back good, to the Jackson Five. Good old Gary. I believe they were the first group to have four consecutive number one hits as their debut wow so they had want you back which is love that song. oh my god abc the love you save and i'll be there mike was like five years old it's he's like incredible. this little kid and he just dominates the scene like he's like the star of this family playing bass on those songs. Yeah. Yeah. They sold 100 million records. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Jackson 5 was a 
cultural phenomenon. But in 1971, Michael went solo. By 1979, his album Off the Wall started to become the Michael we know him as. I mean, he's the king of pop. That's what they call him. So Off the Wall was produced by Quincy Jones. So he's the special sauce. Man, I... Maybe he's the catalyst. To launch. To launch Michael Jackson into the stratosphere. Into the stratosphere. So Michael has sold 350 million albums. 350 million. Of 10, he made 10 solo albums. 13 Grammy Awards, a Grammy Legend Award, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Awards, six Brit Awards, five Billboard Music Awards, 24 American Music Awards. He currently holds 16 Guinness World Records. But can we also talk about We Are the World? We Are the World. Which he co-wrote with Lionel Richie, 20 million units sold. And there's another guy that And there's another guy who was in the Commodores went solo. But... Michael, listen, I remember the moonwalk like it was yesterday. The 25th Motown show that was on ABC or whatever. I was awake and watched him do the moonwalk. And then did it. I I was like so little at that point. I remember learning how to do it that night in my socks. Hmm. Went to school the next day. I can't remember another time in my life that I've been so blown away by something on TV. In some ways, that was our generation's Ed Sullivan. Interesting. You know, like people of a certain age talk about remembering when the Beatles... When the Beatles played, right. 1964 on the Ed Sullivan huh. show, that it changed everything. Right. I think for our generation, Billy Moonwalk... Jean. Billy Jean. Yeah. The 25th anniversary of Motown special. He had the socks and the glove and the hat and the, I mean, couldn't touch him. His voice was incredible. His songwriting was incredible. And he didn't play an instrument. So he wrote all those songs with his voice. That's incredible. It's incredible. The bass line to Billie Jean, he sang it to Quincy Jones. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like crazy. It leaves me with this like weird taste in my mouth. Right. Because Michael has fallen from grace. And let's be honest, he should. Right. But it doesn't change that place in my heart as a kid who's just blown away by this monster of a performer. I think this is maybe the subject of another episode. Huh. What happens to the legacy of an artist that you love? Who did some terrible when stuff. When they fall from grace in right. this way. You know, obviously... Bill the, Cosby records. Bill Cosby, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. OJ. <laughs> <laughs> the Naked Gun. <laughs> I can't watch that I movie. I can't watch the Naked Gun anymore. Hiya, buddy. Hey. Doc says I should be on my bean and as good as new in a week. And back on the force. Thornburg. That's wonderful. Whoa. So that would be right up there with me. But I, now that I think about it, I don't know. Who is your number one? All right. My pick for the person that went solo the best is someone who actually left a lot of bands. Huh. That's part of it. <laughs> That's his thing. His nickname was Slowhand. Ah. He's considered by some to be the greatest guitarist in rock history. I'm talking, of course, about Eric Clapton. After playing in a few local bands, Clapton joined the Yardbirds in 1963. When the Yardbirds went to pop, 
He left in 1965 to join John Mayle and the Blues Breakers. The following year, he left that band to form the power trio Cream. Ginger Baker on drums, Jack Bruce on bass. And after Cream, Clapton formed Blind Faith, again with Ginger Baker, this time with Steve Winwood. So in the space of seven years, he's already played in four of that era's most iconic bands. Yeah. In 1970, he put a record out under the name Derek and the Dominoes. So another one. Another band. Bell-bottom blues, you make me cry. But also that year, he put out his first solo record. What's striking about Clapton's solo career success is that he wasn't the front man in any of those bands. He was a sideman. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the front man. Right. In Cream, Jack Bruce is really the lead yeah. vocalist. Blind Faith, Steve Winwood yeah, as the primary definitely. vocalist. John Mayle and the Blues Breakers, well, it was John Mayle. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, it's that much more surprising that he became such a legendary solo artist. Right. And consider this. One of his biggest hits, Change the World, written by Babyface, Babyface right. came out in 1996. So that's the fourth decade of his career. So my nominee for who went solo the best is a guy who went solo after leaving a bunch of bands. Huh. Fair enough. You know what? I'm going to do a redo. Okay. Who's it going to be? I think I want to nominate Justin Timberlake as the person who went solo the best. And here's why. No one doesn't like JT. Right? Come on. The Everyone like, loves Justin Timberlake. Everybody loves him. He's crushing as an actor. He's hilarious on Saturday Night Live. Yep. He's got a hot wife. He's got a couple kids. He's a good dad. He <laughs> dances ass off. Right. Sings. He writes songs. And we all know him from InSync. Now, InSync, boy band. Boy band. Formed in Orlando by the guy, Lou. Perlman Lou, Lou Perlman, Lou Perlman, uh, who did Backstreet Boys. Let's see, it was Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chavez, Chris Kirkpatrick, Joey Fatone, and Lance Bass. And InSync, at one point, were the largest thing in the world, right? What's their giant hit? Bye-bye. Yeah, uh, yeah bye-bye. Bye-bye. Whatever. Yeah, that. <laughs> the boy band thing, I missed it. Yes. I was too old yes. and too... I was not into pop at that point. But you're right. Because he was part of that band and because NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were sort of contemporaries, they were both these prefab teen idols, but... Like you wouldn't expect them to have talent. Right. Like they're actors or something. So to expect someone to leave that and then become universally respected. Respected and hits, babies. Cry Me a River. Cry Me a River. But the biggest is the trolls. Well, can't stop, can't the stop the feeling. I mean, that was a monster thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. When it drops, that's a great song. I know you've played that song a bunch. I have. It's got some great chord changes. That's why I like it. Yeah. It's also really well produced, I think. And there's something. It's not even a fast song, right. but it's so danceable. And people lose their minds when they hear it. 
those first chords like oh it's oh right. they get so excited it's like right. one of those evergreen songs that will always be played at every wedding at every event it's a great till the end of time his work with Andy Samberg yeah <laughs> with Dick in the Dick Box, in the box. Wow, you know it's Christmas and my heart is open wide He's done some great stuff on SNL and on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, like hilarious. Another moment in his career that I really love. He does a duet with Chris Stapleton on Tennessee Whiskey, which, again, when I saw that, you know, Chris Stapleton is this incredible singer, soulful singer, and JT can hang with him. Oh, yeah. I look for love in all the same old places. Found the bottom of the bottles always dry. There's nothing like your love to give me Yeah, the guy can hang musically and he can also dance. I want to hang out with the dude. He's the real deal. He is. You're right. He seems like a guy we'd like to hang out with. Totally like to hang out with. I don't want to hang out with Michael. Some people listening to this are thinking, is it possible that Clint and Rich are going to (laughs) say... Justin Timberlake went solo the best. But I'm prepared to agree with you on this. I don't this. know. I think it's more than music. I think it's how you fit into the zeitgeist of the world. And Justin Timberlake is in that way kind of a throwback talent. You know, in the way that like Frank Sinatra would act in movies right. and he'd have hit songs. And totally. He's a renaissance man. He's a renaissance yeah. man. I think, I, was, I think I'm going to say Justin Timberlake. Well, Rich... <laughs> Did we did we do it again? I think we did it again. Oh my god. <laughs> I we think, did it again. I think we we did it. We hope you've had a good time and we hope you will join us next time when we answer another age old question. Follow us on Instagram at the age old question. Facebook the age old question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 